This is your host in Bleacher Report, featured columnist Graham G.S.M. Matthews here with everything from Friday Night Fight Night from New England Championships Wrestlings from this past Friday night in Beverly, Massachusetts, WWE Battleground from this past Sunday night, as well as Monday Night Raw from last night on the USA Network. We're going to rewind it, recap it, take a look back at it, be a little critical without being too cynical. This is WrestleRant Radio. Of course, folks, this is the premier inaugural edition of WrestleRant Radio right here on Endicott College EC Radio. Uh, been loving it here on campus for the past five to six weeks. Freshman here at Endicott College, as I said earlier. My name is Graham, Ma- or Graham Romina, I'm sorry. Known to many others as Graham Jason Matthews, a writer for Bleacher Report under the pro wrestling section. Have been a fan for about five years now, since April of 2008. Um, hard wrestling fan and have been uh, dedicated to wrestling radio. For the past few years now, I formerly hosted Spoilers Podcast over on Blog Talk Radio, as well as Save Us GSM over on PW247.net here on EC Radio with the inaugural edition of WrestleRant Radio, of course. So as I said earlier, we're going to be talking about my experience that I had at the New England Championship Wrestling event from this past Friday night. It was entitled Friday Fight Night at the Cove Community Center here in Beverly, Massachusetts, only a mile down the road from where I am right now. Um, Very fun event. I'm going to be discussing that as well as an an in-depth interview that I had with one of the talents at the show, as well as WWE Battleground from this past Sunday night. Uh, mediocre show at best, but still going to be analyzing nonetheless, as well as Monday Night Raw from last night on the USA Network. So with all that being said, um, please excuse my sickness and my voice. I've been sick for the past couple of days, but even still here today and extremely excited to break down and talk about everything in the world of wrestling going on right now. So uh, that being said, yeah, as I said before, New England Championship Wrestling, live from the Cove Community Center in Beverly, Massachusetts. It apparently airs on the uh, uh, on a station here in Boston. I'm not exactly sure here in Massachusetts. I haven't watched it. I haven't heard of the promotion up until about a few weeks ago. I was on an internet dirt sheet, heard of the event, decided to get some tickets, had a very fun time on Friday night. Um, <clears throat> this would not be my first independent event, independent pro, pro wrestling event, I'm sorry. Um, I have attended New England, I'm sorry, Northeast Wrestling um, over in Connecticut. That's where I formerly lived before coming here to Endicott. Um, a lot of fun stars there, but New England Championship Wrestling was just as fun. So I'm going to break it down for you right now. The first match on the card was uh, superstar Scotty Slade tag teaming with the sure thing Mark Sherman uh, against Mike Webb and Nick Fahrenheit for the NECW Tag Team Championships. Again, wasn't aware of any of the talents on this show because I have yet to know any of them. I had yet to go to a show before Friday night. But nonetheless, tickets are only $10, $15. So before I even get to the show, um, get to breaking down the show, that is, let me just stress, um, they have, go to necw.tv after, you, after you're done listening to the show, of course, and uh, get some tickets to the show. I believe they're going to be back in town in early November. Tickets are very, very cheap for a good time, so uh, make sure you check it out most definitely. But yeah, of course, the first match in the show was superstar Scotty Slade and the sure thing Mike Sherman taking on Mike Webb and Nick Fahrenheit for the tag team titles. Very fun matchup. Only about 100 people in the building. Not that many compared to, you know, of course, maybe a Raw event or a WWE TNA event. But, um, you know, nonetheless, I thought it was a good match. A lot of uh, good in-ring action. A lot of back and forth action between the two tandems. The match concluded 
with uh, it was superstar Scotty Slade and the Mike Sher and the Sure Thing Mike Sherman taking the tag team championships. This is a rematch, I believe, from a few weeks ago. So the opposing team went over here, and we have a new tag team champions. Um, got a lot of great pictures from this event. Forgot to mention that before. Um, I'm going to be uploading them pretty soon. So if you want to check them out, make sure to check out my website at nextarawrestling.weebly.com for the uh, full photos of the event coming soon. So uh, up next, we had a women's, uh, what they build, a world women's wrestling feature match. Now, of course, they didn't put the names of the women in the, uh, in, in the card that they gave out uh, prior to the show, so I'm unaware of what the names of the actual wrestlers were. But um, nonetheless, the match was nothing to write home about. This was a wrestling women's match, so uh, really there usually is nothing to write home about. But nonetheless, it, w- it was fine for what it was. No one in the crowd seemed to really care all that much. Um, all I can really stress is that one of them looked like a hybrid of Beth Phoenix, Tara, aka Victoria from WWE, as well as Kelly Kelly, and then the other one looked like, uh, I would say, I don't know, a witch from Salem, uh, for those of you that live in the uh, Massachusetts area around here, here in Beverly. But um, yeah, nonetheless, the match was really nothing to write home about. The person at ringside that was next to... Uh, the witch lady, the heel. Um, of course, heels are bad guys. Faces are good guys. For those of you that aren't wrestling fans that are listening in live now, um, so yeah, the the vampire lady went over. Really, nothing more to say. Much more than that. Um, yeah, there was really no names to it. Nothing more to write home about. So let's move on from there. Um, we had Jeremy Prophet taking on NECW legend or what they build him as, the egomaniac Johnny Idol. Don't remember much about this matchup. Um, for, mo- for those of you that have watched NXT in the past, um, currently on air on Hulu Plus, if you want to check that out, if you don't watch it on a regular basis, you're really missing out. Uh, but nonetheless, the Prophet, um, Jeremy Prophet, he was kind of like a Conor O'Brien-like character. Um, he's pretty cool. He cut a promo before the show talking about, um, what was his name, Slick Wagner Brown, um, saying that he's going to be having a last-man-standing match with him in a couple of weeks. Not exactly sure what that event's going to be, but um, I don't think it's here in Beverly, unfortunately. But that whenever that next event will be, they're going to be facing off in a last-man-standing match. But nonetheless, this match against Idol and Profit was uh, fine for what it was. It was basically a squash in Profit's favor. Johnny Idol got some of the offense in, but no one really cared. The people behind me were chanting for profit, even though he was the heel in this matchup. But um, I guess some typical smarks in the crowd that night. But uh, yeah, nonetheless, I thought it was a pretty good matchup for what it was. Johnny Profit, I'm sorry, Jeremy Profit going over there. And But that would not be the last time that we would see Jeremy Profit in the, in the evening. Um, in addition to that, I would also get an interview with Jeremy Profit um, after the show, so more on that later on. Uh, but nonetheless, the next matchup on the card was a triple threat match, what I believe to be a uh, the match of the night for the NECW Television Championship. It was Johnny Thunder taking on the Boston bad boy, Jason Rumble, as well as the masshole, Mike McCarthy. Um, yes, that was his nickname, the masshole. Pretty awesome looking guy. From what he from what he looked like and from what he reminded me of, he looked a lot like CM Punk in his early age of uh, when he first came to ECW during his Ring of Honor days, during his uh, initial years in the WWE. That's what this guy looked like. He came out with a flag that said the mass hole on it. I believe he had the Boston Bruins um, logo on there, so that was pretty cool. But yeah, it's a pretty cool nickname for a guy that's named uh, <laughs> the mass hole. But um, nonetheless, this match was undoubtedly the match of the night. None of these matches had exhilarating action or any matches that I'm going to remember a long time down from now, um, a long time down the road. But um, this match was pretty good. I would say it was definitely the the match of the night. All these guys got a lot of um, got a lot of offense in on each other. Um, a lot of back and forth action. They took it to the outside. Jason Rumble, who also I interviewed after the show. More on that later. Um, him and the masshole, Mike McCarthy, started brawling on the outside of the ring. They started going at it, and um, because they took it to the back, they took it to the locker room, they, they were brawling on the outside of the ring. They started, they took their brawl to the back, you know, typical pro wrestling triple threat match. Johnny Thunder remained in the ring. He was the defending champion, by the way, so he's still in the ring. He looked like a Vader kind of guy. He was this big, huge dude, um, really cool there, very charismatic. Um, yeah, he stayed in the ring after the other two scurried off, so it ended in a 
countout, apparently. Um, I didn't know triple threat matches could end in a countout. Um, from what I was aware, only triple threat matches could end in a submission or pinfall. But um, yeah, even still, that was pretty lame. So that was the only downside of this matchup was the fact that uh, uh, that the best match of the night had such a lame finish ending in a countout. But um, yeah, even still, Johnny Thunder, with that being said, since he was still in the ring via the countout, championships can't change hands on a disqualification or a countout. So Jason Thunder, I'm sorry, Johnny Thunder, still your NECW television championship. So after that, they had an intermission, uh, about 20 minutes, really nothing new there. Checking on the merchandise stand. I actually bought a wristband for the, uh, for the guy that was wrestling in the main event. Um, his name was Antonio Thomas, and since his nickname was The Promise, um, I bought a wristband that said Promise on it. They didn't really have much more than that. But yeah, so brief intermission, we come back with the Tokyo Monster. Don't want to botch um, pronouncing this guy's name. I think his name was... Um, Kagas or something like that. I really don't want to disrespect the guy by pronouncing his name wrong, but um, it's spelled K-A-H-A-G-A-S. Um, if I mispronounce that, oh, well, that sucks. But uh, even still, he opened, he issued an open challenge, a special open challenge um, against anyone in the locker room. The guy who came out, again, not aware of the product before Friday night. So I don't know what the guy's name was that, that eventually came out. But uh, he looked like Kurt Angle in his early days. He was actually pretty chubby. Um, <laughs> he wasn't really over with the crowd all that much. I think he got some chance from those in attendance. But uh, a lot of the people were chanting for the Tokyo Monster, who apparently this was his first match back in NECW in a number of years. Um, from what it said on the, uh, the card that they gave out before the show, let me look here. It said that he's a former NWA World's Heavyweight Champion as well as the current North American champion, so that's impressive. So there was no, absolutely no way this guy was losing here, and he didn't. He actually went over here. Um, but vicious, vicious matchup. Um, I wouldn't say it was the best match of the night. As I said before, the triple threat match I thought was the best in-ring um, exciting match of the night, but this one was a very vicious brawl between both Cargas uh, and his opponent, whoever, uh, the unnamed guy, I'm sorry, um, the Kurt Angle lookalike, but um, nonetheless, very vicious battle, a lot of chops, a lot of woo chants from Ric Flair, of course. and um, But yeah, even still, very strong matchup. This guy who ended up losing um, put up a very good fight after the matchup, extended his hand to the Tokyo Monster, which the Tokyo Monster accepted, shook his hand, said he respected him, blah, 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 blah. So uh, good, good post-match um, handshake from those two. So that was pretty cool. Um, so a good matchup with a good finish. So I enjoyed that. Up next, we had Slick Wagner Brown taking on Bobby Ocean and what they build as a special challenge match. Um, again, really nothing to this, but it is worth noting that Slick Wagner Brown, I guess, is the top face of the promotion from what I'm guessing. Um, he got a lot of chance before the matchup, after the matchup. Um, his entrance was pretty cool. His mic skills, in my personal opinion, left a lot to be desired, but he did have a lot of charisma in his match with Bobby Ocean. I guess they're former tag team partners. I'm not really sure. But um, <clears throat> the way that his promo was going before the match started, he was saying that uh, um, that they were friends at one point. So, uh, yeah, for th this was a fine matchup. Again, uh, really nothing to it. Kind of boring for the most part. Um, Brown, even though he was the face in this matchup, he got the better of Ocean the entire time. And he was saying, Ocean, you want to fight me? You want to get at me? Come on, throw a punch, something. Uh, he was squashing him the entire time. He was threatening to punch him. So he was kind of acting like a heel, so it was really weird. But, um, yeah, he, too, was hyping his last man standing match with Profit in a couple weeks. So that was pretty cool. Um, again, as I stated before, that's not going to be here in Beverly at the Cove Community Center. But uh, you got to check out the website, necw.tv, for more information on that. But, um, yeah, that being said, that was a fine matchup the way it ended. Mm, I can't remember the finish, but I do remember that Jeremy Prophet ended up interfering. Um, they had some guy named Genesis, who I guess was with Prophet. Again, I'm sorry for sounding so ignorant right now, but I was not aware of any of the wrestlers going into the show. Um, I just kind of showed up expecting a good time and looking for something to do on a Friday night. But um, yeah, even still, uh, Prophet came in, started attacking Brown. Like I said before, the two are adversaries. Genesis joined in, started attacking Brown too. <clears throat> they they egged um, Ocean on, they aggravated him, saying, why don't you beat up Brown? 
And Ocean said, no way. He was looking pretty conflicted, and he walked off not doing anything, not helping Brown, not hindering him, not hurting him. So he just kind of walked off. So that was some pretty good storytelling there. So Jeremy Prophet and Genesis get the better of Brown at the end of that matchup. And of course, in the main event, we had Sean, Sean Burke, I believe, taking on Antonio the Promise, Thomas, um, in a best two out of three count falls match for the NECW Heavyweight Championship. Um, although it looked like a very exciting match on paper, it um, unfortunately wasn't. Uh, there really was not much to this matchup at all. It was solid for the most part overall, but even still, I thought it left a lot to be desired. It was pretty boring at some certain points. Um, Sean Burke was, you know, locking in rest holds and stuff like that. So, as you can imagine, it was a pretty boring matchup for the majority of it. But even still, um, I enjoyed it for what it was. Both got uh, a fall apiece before it came down to the third fall. And the third fall, this is when it started to get interesting. The referee. Now, the referee, um, this is the first time I've seen this. But um, the referee, or they, they had two referees, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, they had one that was a woman, and then they had one that was a guy. And they switched off every match. So when it came time for the main event, the referee, whose I believe name was Barbara, was taking on the matchup. She was refereeing the matchup. She took a bump to the outside accidentally. Um, she fell pretty hard, too. And let me remind you, folks, that this is a uh, very small community center. Um, it's not a high school gym. It's even smaller than that. But despite that, there were no guardrails. There were no um, pads on the ground, as you would see in a normal WWE pro wrestling event. Um, these guys were going pretty hardcore. Granted, they didn't go to the outside all that often, but when they did, they hit the ground hard. So, uh, yeah, this lady took a bump to the outside, and this is, she ain't 20, 30 years old either. She looked easily 40. Um, she looked like Nanny McPhee, um, now that I mention it. But, um, yeah, even still, fine matchup. So she takes a bump to the outside. Um, then after that, Jeremy Prophet and Genesis come in. They start attacking Antonio. They hit him in the head. I believe it was Prophet. Yeah, I think it was either Prophet or Genesis. I'm not really sure. It has to be one of the two. But um, they hit uh, they hit uh, Thomas in the back of the head with the championship belt because since he was the current reigning NECW heavyweight champion, they hit him in the back of the head with the belt. He goes down for the count. One, two, three. We have a new champion in the form of Sean Burke. So yeah, they celebrate all together. Sean Burke, Prophet, Genesis, blah, 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 blah. And they walk off with a championship, and that ends the show for the most part. And after that match, though, um, Thomas was still on the ground. Antonio Thomas was still on the ground after being hit in the head with the belt. On, of course, I uh, hate to break it to you folks, but uh, yeah, pro wrestling is not real. It's staged. So he wasn't actually hit in the back of the head with the belt, as far as I know. But um, unless they were doing a very good job of selling it, Thomas stayed on the ground for a good five minutes, I want to say. Um, they had the referee come over to him. She looked pretty bad. Like, she felt pretty bad. Um, I don't know if she was playing in character or what, because this kid didn't move at all. He was just laying in the ring, um, knocked out cold. So he's just laying there. They have some uh, They have some folks come out, some backstage officials, the general manager of NECW who came out to Paul Heyman's music, or uh, the ECW original entrance music <coughs> from uh, earlier on in the show. But yeah, nonetheless, um, they take him out, and yeah, that that pretty much ends the show. Um, he looked like he was legitimately hurt, and if he wasn't, kudos to them for doing a good job of making it seem like he was legitimately hurt. But uh, yeah, nonetheless, after the show, I'm walking around looking for some interviews. The mass hole, again, like I said before, extremely cool dude, really wanted to interview him. Unfortunately, was not able to. I'm going to be able to do it via email at some point, so hopefully I can talk to him. Um, but I was able to talk to Jason Rumble after the show. Very, very cool guy. Wasn't really invested in his character during the triple threat match that he had for the, uh, for the television championship, but, um, he was really cool when I was talking to him. I asked him maybe three or four questions and he gave me a good 10 minute interview. We're sitting by ringside. You can hear the background music. Uh, that they're playing as people are exiting, so I apologize for that. I'm going to play the first half of the interview right now, um, just to give you a quick preview. I will not play all of it. I'm hoping I'm hoping to uh, post it in full either on my website or uh, on a new podcast or something like that. I'm not really sure yet 
what I'm going to be doing with it, um, either on YouTube, website, Podbean, something like that. I'm not really sure. Um, but even still, here's the first half of the interview. Like I said before, wasn't aware of any of the wrestlers before they uh, before going to this event. But uh, yeah, nonetheless, I thought it was uh, a pretty good interview. Really, really nice guy. By far the nicest guy that I came across while at the event. So that being said, I'm going to show you guys the first half of the interview. Hope you guys enjoy. As I stated before, I'm sick now. I was sick on Friday. That's actually when it started. But um, yeah, so I don't sound good when I'm asking the questions. And actually, in the beginning of the interview, I call him Johnny Rumble. Because like I said before, there was a Johnny, there was a Johnny Thunder, Jeremy Prophet, and Jason Rumble. We got a Jeremy, Johnny, and a Jason. So you can't blame me. There's so many names that sound so alike. So I call them Johnny by accident. He corrected me. So I just want to point that out so I don't sound like an idiot when I play this. But um, nonetheless, here is my interview, um, the first half of my interview, that is, with uh, Jason Rumble. This is Graham Ermina here, uh, reporter for the Endicott Observer, here with Johnny Rumble after tonight's That's Friday Jason night fight. Jason Rumble, brother. First and foremost, if you're going to be a reporter, get the facts straight. <laughs> I got my eggs scrambled tonight. I got a, I got a, uh, a partially torn uh, eardrum. It feels like I was in a swimming pool, and uh, I got water in my ears that I just can't shake out. So first lessons first, 17-year veteran, trained by the late, great Walter Kilikowski. When you ask for an interview, brother, it's Jason Rumble. If you had called me Tony Rumble after my mentor, I would have took that as an honor and a privilege. But we'll go on furthermore from here, brother. Well, Jason Rumble, you had a great match tonight for the television championship. Obviously did not end in the way that you wanted it to in a count-out of sorts. Do you have any aspirations to go back for the television championship anytime soon? Well, I'll just fill you in for the uh, for everybody out there, so this way the newspaper and all the fans out there in the Internet world, in case this goes viral, uh, me and Mike McCarthy here in NECW have been feuding for roughly about one year. Uh, previously here, the month before, Mike and I fought in the Boston Street Fight. It ended oddly where both of us ended up knocking each other out and we're not able to it and, and we're not able to answer basically a standing ten count that went there for after. So the referee took it in their best decision to rule the match a draw. Uh, I got a shot at Johnny on my own in uh, Derry, New Hampshire. Mike McCarthy got involved which brought us to this point right here tonight at the Cove Community Center here in lovely Beverly, Massachusetts. Uh, Three-way dance for the television title. I'm no stranger to gold out of 17 years in this professional wrestling business, trained by the late, great Walter Kowalski. I'm a legit three-time NWA. That's now... Wrestling Alliance, recognized World Junior Heavyweight Champion. I'm also, as far as NECW is concerned, the longest reigning co-holder of the NECW tag team titles of all time. New England wrestling history, I am going to be inducted into the New England Wrestling Hall of Fame, class of 2014. There's basically nothing that I haven't done in this business, realistically, other than sign on the dotted line with the WWE or TNA. I've worked for TNA on several different occasions, had my trial with the WWE. I can honestly say, I've been 17 years in this business, I know that I've gone off the dotted line to the T to the I, but I'm just going to let you know, the people here, the wrestlers that come up nowadays, they're weekend warriors. I, for 17 years, I feed my wife, I feed my kid, I pay my rent, I pay my bills by going in the middle of that squared circle and wrestling like I have for the past 17 years. And I'm also the proud owner of the Belltime Club, the best training wrestling center in all of New England. Because we give it to the, we, we train the students the way that Walter Killer Kowalski trained us. So that's my interview with, uh, with, with Jason Rumble from this past Friday night at the New England Championship Wrestling event. As I stated before, really cool guy. For the full in depth interview, you're going to have to visit my website, nextarawrestling.weebly.com, for when I eventually post the interview in full. He went on to talk about his aspirations, if he was going to go back for the television championship after coming up short, um, being suspended from uh, competing at the next NECW event, whenever that may be. Again, I apologize for not knowing. You're going to have to check out the website at NECW 
TV.com for that. Um, he also talked about uh, his feud with McCarthy, the mass hole. And uh, he also talked about who his dream opponent would be if he were to be signed by either WWE and or TNA. So yeah, um, really cool guy. And now I'm going to show you my interview that I had with uh, Profit. Now, Profit, unlike uh, unlike Rumble, was not as friendly. Um, I'm not really sure why. I'm not sure. Uh, well, well, this is the gist of what happened. Because um, after I talked to Rumble, um, that lasted about 10 minutes, as I said. After that happened, I walked over to the mass hall. He said he, said he was busy. Um, I'm going to get in touch with him via mail at some point so we can talk with him. Again, really cool guy, hoping to get an interview with him at some point. Um, then on my way out, I'm looking for wrestlers. I just want to get one more interview at least since I wasn't able to talk to McCarthy, the mass hall. But as I'm walking out, I see Genesis, Prophet, and Burke, the new uh, the new NECW heavyweight champion, all walking into the um, building together. As I'm walking out, there was a truck pulling up, so maybe they were helping um, clean up or something like that. I'm not really sure. But, um, yeah, I wanted to talk with Prophet real quick. Um, he sounded pretty ticked off. I think he was in a rush or something like that. So I don't know if he was being an a-hole to me on purpose to uh, stay in character because, again, he was a heel. So if he was trying to stay in character, then props to him. If not, then F off, buddy, because you're an a-hole. But, you know, that being said, um, I will play the interview that I had with Prophet. Very, very brief. Um, it's only about you know, a little less than two minutes. So um, I will play that now. Enjoy. So I'm here with Prophet, who competed, that competed here tonight at the Friday Night Fight um, and interfered in the main event and caused some controversy, which led to a title change. Let's get your thoughts on the situation. The fact of the matter is, whether I interfered, whether I showed up or not, Sean Burke would have still walked out with the title because that's the master plan. I knew that this would happen. I put this whole thing into motion. So it was going to happen one way or another. So what are your plans going forward as your... Is your quest to uh, strip Antonio of the championship still going to be existing going forward? Do you have something against Antonio, or is this a one-time thing to get the championship on his opponent here tonight? Stripping Antonio Thomas was just step one of a bigger plan. What we want to do is we want to rid NECW of all those old fossils that don't belong here. Let's face it, wrestling is a young man's sport. If you're here and you're hanging on to your past glory, we don't need that. And no one here wants to see that. We are the change that people have been asking for. We're the solution. We're not the bad guys. We're the ones that are here to make things right and give the people what they deserve. Sean Burke is champion. That's a good thing. And soon, all those old fossils that don't deserve to be here, that don't deserve to even be in this business, are all going to be put out to pasture one by one by one. Can the same be said for Brown, too? Because obviously you had a beef with him earlier. Well, obviously for Brown, he doesn't belong here either. He says he's the underground king. All that means is that he's been in this wrestling business for countless years and has never done anything worthwhile. Really, should someone like that belong in here? No, they shouldn't. We shouldn't keep them around for nostalgia's sake. It's the young guys that are hungry and deserving of being here that should be featured on NECW television. And whether management doesn't want to handle that doesn't matter to us because we take matters into our own hands. Very well said. Thanks for your time, Prophet. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> so there's a lot of things wrong with that interview. Uh, first of all, the questions that I asked weren't very intelligent. I asked him uh, if his quest to, uh, what did I say, strip him of the championship of, uh, of Thomas, uh, of Thomas of the championship would continue. Um, I asked him if that was still going to be existent. I think that was the wrong word to use. But, um, yeah, I, I botched the question. He spoke way too fast. I think he was in a rush. But yeah, I said, thanks for your time. Then I said, I appreciate it, dude, as he's walking away. This guy just walks away. Uh, not saying a word, doesn't look back, doesn't reply with anything at all. So again, like I said before, um, if he was trying to stay in character, kudos to him. If not, then wow, that was a real douchey move on his part. But nonetheless, um, yeah, overall, really good time to spend half the show talking about that. But yeah, that alone, very good show. Um, like I said before, they're going to be coming back to the Beverly, Massachusetts area. For those of you here at Endicott College or anywhere in the Beverly area, um, again, the place is the Cove Community Center, um, about a mile down from where Endicott is. I didn't want to walk there. I don't want to say I can walk there because they probably can, but it would, <laughs> it would take a little while. I got, uh, I got a ride there on Friday. So that being said, though, 
Um, yeah, really fun time. So if you're looking for something to do on a Friday night, even if you're not a wrestling fan, I saw some people there. I saw some mom with her kid there. I saw some old lady there by herself. That was a little weird, but then she was hugging one of the wrestlers after they won their match. So I'm guessing that was his mom. Um, that's just an assumption. But yeah, even still, if you're just looking for something to do, wrestling fan or not, go check it out. Cove Community Center, Beverly, Massachusetts. It's a fun time. They're coming back on Friday um, November 9th, I want to say. Yeah, I think, I think it's the, uh, yeah, it's either the 9th or the 8th. I, it's either the, I think it's the second Friday in November. Uh, don't quote me on that, but it's on NECW.TV. So go check them out. They do live shows, um, on the internet. They have it on YouTube. For those of you that don't live in the Massachusetts area, they do air live on TV on, um, I think it's 12.30 on Thursday nights and Friday mornings, so check that out there on YouTube. So just search up New England Championship Wrestling. The show was taped on Friday, airing for Thursday, so if you watch it and see me, I'm in the front row, eh, that's cool. So uh, yeah, check that out, and we're going to move on now to uh, Battleground from this past Sunday. Um, yeah, it was a pretty mediocre pay-per-view, everything that I expected it to be, and not in a good way. They were live from Buffalo, New York, a very dead crowd for the most part. Can't say it was a terrible crowd, because, uh, because really, they really had no incentive to care about anything that was on the show at all. I mean, it wasn't a terrible show, it was an improvement overnight of Champions in September, but... I just didn't care at all, and I can't blame the people that were there live in attendance. Um, fun fact, actually, I've watched maybe every single pay-per-view live. Um, I think maybe for the past three years, I have not missed a pay-per-view until this past Sunday. Um, I had a lot going on over the weekend with Parents Weekend here and everything going on at Endicott College, so I had a lot of stuff that I had to get done on Sunday night. Usually, I do it while I'm watching the pay-per-view, but I said, screw it, I'm just going to do my work like the good kid I am and did not tune into the show, Um, and I'm glad I didn't. I spent three hours watching it on Monday. Don't know why I did that, but I'm very, very glad that I did not watch it live. would have been a complete waste of time. But yeah, even still, don't tune out now, though. We're going to be talking about the event, regardless of whether it was bad or good. You know, bad or not, we're still going to be discussing it. Um, But yeah, even still, the kickoff match, which aired half an hour live on the YouTube channel, www.com, their app, blah, 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 all those dumb social media outlets for WWE. It was Dolph Ziggler versus Damian Sandow, first time ever in one-on-one action. Um, It was a good match, but it wasn't as good as I expected. Expected it to be as I had pretty high standards for these guys. Um, the major problem with Dolph Ziggler and Damian Sandow right now, um, both this match and their rematch on Raw the next night, was that fans don't have an incentive to care about either of these guys. Dolph Ziggler is still getting great reactions as a fan favorite. Not saying that I want him to go back to being a heel anytime soon. I think he's doing just fine as a face. It's just how these guys are being booked at the moment. It's absolutely asinine that these guys are losing almost every match they're involved in. So putting them against one another is a lose-lose situation. Of course, if you can recall, the people that have held the SmackDown Money in the Bank briefcase have always been booked like crap going into their eventual world title run, which doesn't last long anyway. Daniel Bryan won the SmackDown Money in the Bank briefcase back in July of 2011, booked like crap. He was booked like crap for like five months um, in, in the months following his victory, his huge victory. He lost to Wade Barrett. He lost to uh, Mark Henry. He lost a whole bunch of people. Um, he had to compete on NXT and Superstars a few times. Just terrible, terrible stuff. Um, then we had Damian Sand. I'm sorry, then we had Dolph Ziggler last year. Um, you know, his wasn't as bad. Um, he lost a whole bunch of times in the beginning, but I gotta give him credit though. He beat Randy Orton clean at Survivor Series. He beat John Cena in the main event of TLC. He uh, retired Chris Jericho for the time being at SummerSlam 2012. <clears throat> so you gotta give the devil his due there. Um, that he was a decent Money in the Bank winner, but he did lose a majority of the matches that he was involved in. And then his world title run. His world title run lasted a whole whopping a month and a half maybe due to his concussion a little over two months but um yeah that even so that was very disappointing and now Damian Sandow was in the same exact boat he's losing every match he's in why why this guy is money in the ring on the mic this guy is money no pun intended 
future uncrowned world heavyweight champion of the masses. Damian Sando comes up short to Dolph Ziggler on the pre-show at Battleground. As I said before, decent match, but if you didn't see it, don't bother go back and watching it. Um, that was pretty much the theme throughout most of this pay-per-view, but nonetheless, moving on here, World Heavyweight Championship match between Alberto Rio, the current reigning World Heavyweight Champion, and Rob Van Dam in a battleground hardcore rules match. Um, this, this feud has left a lot to be desired over the last month and a half, but um, I, I liked the... Uh, I like the match a lot, though. They had a good match in Night of Champions, but you could definitely tell that they were holding back quite a bit. So I was very happy with the with this match right here. Um, both guys thrive in a hardcore environment, and they used the extreme environment to their absolute advantage throughout this matchup. There were a lot of cool spots with the uh, with the ladder, with the chair, with a bucket. Uh, Ricardo Rodriguez was hitting Del Rio with a bucket at one point in this matchup. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, which was symbolic, too, actually, because that's what Del Rio beat Ricardo with when he uh, turned on him a few months ago. So that was some uh, pretty good uh, symbolism, if that was intended, and I'm sure it was. But, um, yeah, even so, the match was very entertaining. Actually, on the outside, <coughs> excuse me, um, RVD had ADR set up on the ladder. Um, he had a ladder set up on top of ADR, or maybe it was the other way around. I can't remember. But um, even so... Uh, RVD was on the ring apron and performed a five-star frog splash to ADR on the ladder. So that was really cool. Very awesome spot. But despite the strong effort, RVD ultimately came up short looking to hit the five or looking to hit the Van Terminator on Del Rio like he did at Night of Champions. Missed it. ADR capitalizes, targets the arm of RVD, hits the uh, or connects with the cross arm breaker, had uh, RVD's arm tied through the chair, so pretty creative finish. Makes RVD tap out clean, if you want to call it clean, since it was a you know hardcore rules match. But you know, even still, um, very strong win for ADR. Um, I've been complaining for weeks now that um, despite the fact that he's been a very good world champion in my view over the last uh, few months, over the last four months or so, um, they haven't given him a lot of credible victories over high-profile guys. Um, he's beaten Zack Ryder, R-Truth, Kofi, blah, 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 blah. You know, that's nice and all, but he needs high-profile victories, and he did just that at uh, at uh, Battleground over RVD. So for those of you unaware, Rob Van Dam will be taking time off for the foreseeable future. Um, it was announced on WWE.com. Well, it, it's been a recurring rumor on uh, dirt sheets for months now that ADR, I'm sorry, RVD signed a uh, a 90-day contract that he was going to be wrestling for WWE for three months after the Money in the Bank pay-per-view in July. And it's just about 90 days right now, so it makes sense. But, um, yeah, really good matchup. RVD taking time off for the foreseeable future. Um, yeah, so just a really good match overall. Up next, we had an Intercontinental Championship match between Curtis Axel and R-Truth. Um, of course, again, what do you expect? Really nothing to write home about. Um, we had Curtis Axel successfully retaining the Intercontinental Championship. Sorry, that was my laptop. I shut off for a second. Um, yeah, we had Curtis Axel still your Intercontinental Champion. I like Curtis Axel. I really want him to get over, but he's just not getting a reaction from the fans. That's his problem right now. And a lot of people underrate him as IC Champion. A lot of people are like, oh, this guy is a terrible champion. He loses all the time. Are you kidding me? This is a guy that defeated Triple H and John Cena, technically, technically, um, in the main event of Raw on two separate episodes back in May and June of this past year, I was in attendance for one of them, June 3rd, 2013, back in Hartford, Connecticut. Fun show. But um, yeah, Curtis Axel has wins over Triple H, John Cena. He has successfully defended his championship against the likes of Chris Jericho, The Miz, R-Truth, Kofi Kingston. So yeah, um, Wade Barrett. Um, yeah, he's had a lot of high-profile victories. He's by far not the worst IC champion that I've seen in a long time. That would have to go to Wade Barrett. Wade Barrett was booked horrendously when he was IC champion um, earlier this year. That was just absolute garbage. <clears throat> but um, yeah, even still, though, still IC champion. They're going to be having a rematch between him and R-Truth this upcoming Friday night on SmackDown. So uh, hopefully Axel retains there. But next matchup on the card, AJ Lee, Brie Bella for the Divas Championship. AJ Lee goes over after 
um, pinning Brie Bella after holding the tights, after Timina Snuka got involved at ringside. She was holding uh, Nikki Bella, her Brie Bella's sister, in a chokehold at ringside. Brie got distracted. AJ rose up. Brie holds the tights, gets the victory. I'm happy with this. Very, very happy with this. I'm fine with the feud happening. Absolutely fine with it. Um, especially if they play off the fact that AJ also had a relationship with uh, Daniel Bryan. I mean, albeit it was on television, it wasn't, you know, reality like it is with Bryan and uh, Brie. But um, I am very, very happy that AJ is still the Divas Champion. She's doing an excellent job with the title right now. Um, she's doing a kick-ass job as Divas Champion and has been for the past four months. So very happy that she's still the Divas Champion. Up next, Goldust and Cody Rhodes taking on the Sierra India Echo Lima Delta, the Shield members, Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns in a non-title WWE Tag Team title match. Oh, they are the WWE Tag Team champions, Rollins and Reigns, but this was a non-title match on the show, just to correct it, um, just to correct myself there. But yeah, this is by far the highlight of the night. Um, I don't know about anyone else, but from what I've seen, this is by far the best thing going, and I'm sure a lot of people can agree with that sentiment, that um, that the storyline involving the Rhodes family and the McMahons is the best thing going in WWE right now. So I'm very, very glad that it's getting time. It got a great match on Sunday. Goldust and Cody go over. They get their jobs back. Very happy to see Rhodes back in the company. Even happier to see Goldust back. Um, this is the first time that we've seen Rhodes... Uh, I'm sorry, the, the first time that we've seen Goldust, I should specify there, um, that we've seen him in an active wrestling role since 2010, I want to say. And even back then, he was being jobbed out like crazy. Um, he hasn't been used this well in years. So, um, yeah, very good matchup. By far the highlight of the night, and I can't forget this. Even before the match ended, Dust Rhodes hit the old bionic elbow on Dean Ambrose at ringside. So that was pretty cool. The fans popped for that. They went crazy. When uh, Goldust and Rose picked up the victory, so it's it's very apparent that this storyline and that the Rhodes are very over with the universe. They're invested in the story. They like the Rhodes. They're over. Very apparent. Very happy to see them back in WWE. Up next, we had Bray Wyatt versus Kofi Kingston. Did not care at all about this matchup. I really like Bray Wyatt. I don't at all like Kofi Kingston. Um, I, I mean, let me not, I won't say that, but I, I like Kingston, but it's just the fact that he's just so goddamn stale. He's been the same guy for the past five years now, except for the fact that he doesn't have a Jamaican accent anymore. But, um, yeah, this match was, it, it was good, I guess. It was decent, but again, not anything that I'm going to remember tomorrow. Um, <coughs> Bray Wyatt went over there. Um, still undefeated in WWE, whatever. Moving on, CM Punk and Ryback, a rematch from last year's Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Um, unlike that match, however, and their TLC match from a couple, yeah, from actually, from what was it, the inaugural edition of Raw in 2013, I want to say, um, their TLC match then. Very, very good stuff. I enjoyed that match. This match, not so much. It was solid, don't get me wrong, but again, just a mediocre matchup just really mediocre it was just a common theme throughout the show i don't know what it was but it it was a good match but you know cm punk went over after low blowing ryback it was just very very odd i don't know i i mean i like the fact that cm punk's an anti-hero and all but going over after hitting the low blow on ryback it's just i don't know i just thought it was dumb but you know, even still, um, yeah, CM Punk going over here, your victor for this match. Feud continues, I guess. Whatever. Moving into the main event, we had Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton battling it out for the WWE Championship or the, uh, that's currently being held in abeyance, a new word that WWE is using right now. I'm adding to my vocabulary, of course. But, um, yeah, another very good match. Got about 25 minutes. Again, it felt like they were holding back a bit. Crowd, um, you know awoke for a few points in this matchup, especially towards the end. Daniel Bryan is massively over. Orton's getting over nicely as a face. I like the fact that he's going back to his old persona of the Viper and that he's going absolutely apeshit when he attacks people. But yeah, even still, I really enjoyed this matchup. Just not the finish. I mean, it was the best they could do in this situation. Um, what happened was that the referee got knocked down to the side. Down comes Big Show, I think it was. 
what what the hell happened? I think we had a referee come down. I don't know what happened. I can't even remember. Um, one of the referees got knocked out. Daniel Bryan knocks out. Get got knocked out by Big Show. Uh, crowd starts chanting, "You sold out." Out comes Scott Armstrong at the uh, at the hands of WWE Raw General Manager Brad Maddox. And uh, Big Show knocks out Randy Orton after knocking out Scott Armstrong at ringside. So, yeah, it was pretty crazy uh, with all that being said. But, yeah, of course, if you couldn't tell, the match ended in a no contest due to Big Show's interference. So, still, we have no WWE champion. So, uh, yeah, it's still being vacated for the time being. Very good matchup, but a lot of people felt ripped off out of 55 bucks. I don't know who in their right mind ordered this pay-per-view to begin with. Probably the, you know, the, uh, <coughs> the, uh, the diehard fans. But, you know, even still, really good matchup. But if you couldn't tell from my, uh, the tone of my voice throughout uh, most of this review of Battleground, it was a mediocre show. It was a mediocre show. They... Built it terribly, absolutely terrible, um, the build for this show was. But um, I just hate the fact that there's three pay-per-views within the course of six to seven weeks. It, it's ridiculous. We had Night of Champions three weeks ago, and then we have Battleground three weeks later, and then we have uh, and we have Hell in the Cell three weeks after that. It's just too much. It's just too much. No one is going to pay freaking $150 roughly, and that's... That's being generous, if that's um, you know, because it costs more than that. But at minimum, one hundred and fifty dollars for three pay per views that are a complete waste of your time. Night of Champions was god awful. This show, lackluster. Not as bad as Night of Champions, but it was still pretty lackluster. Um, one can only hope that Hell in the Cell will be better. But um, you know, speaking of Hell in the Cell, here is a promotional video, um, that aired at Battleground. For Hell in the Cell, we have about eh, 13 minutes left here on WrestleRant Radio. I apologize if I keep you guys over time. Just want to go over Raw real quick, only the main points. But um, yeah, in the meantime, we're going to take a brief intermission with a promotional video for the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view in three weeks. Brothers and sisters, I have seen hell. But hell is not some far place. No. Hell is right here on earth. Not fire and brimstone. Fire, fire comes of twisted metal and evil intention. A 20-foot-tall behemoth built by the wicked. And ruled by the ruthless. Brothers and sisters, this is the wrecked fortress where the sins of man come to bear. You come for salvation? Well, you won't find it here. So, of course, that was our truth with the promotional video for Hell in a Cell in less than three weeks, live from Miami, Florida. That looks like it should be a good show. Um, as it was announced on Monday Night Raw the next night, that the main event of Hell in a Cell will see Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton battling it out with inside hate, uh, with, uh, with inside uh, Satan's structure for the vacant WWE Championship. We are finally going to determine a new WWE champion at Hell in the Cell with the special guest referee, Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels actually spoke on Raw this past week after being voted by the WWE Universe. And yeah, here's actually, I'll give you a brief clip of Shawn Michaels on Raw this past week. Um, eh, I guess we have some time. I'll, I'll play it real quick. Here's Shawn Michaels from this past Monday Night Raw, from this past week on Monday Night Raw. Triple H is my best friend. He, we are close personal friends. But what I want you to understand, the key word in that phrase is personal. And what we're talking about here tonight is business. Now, I don't know how many of you are aware of the fact that I train Daniel Bryan. However, I will not let that sway me. I will not let my friendship with Triple H sway me. And when it comes to Randy Orton, let's face it. I don't like him, and he doesn't like me. So I won't let that sway me. So what I want you to do I want everybody to download their WWE app. <laughs> I want you to vote 
for old HB Shizzle. And I want to be the one to get. <laughs> that'll be that'll be trending. <laughs> well, at Shawn Michaels on Twitter. It took almost HB 30 Shizzle years, but we're gonna have HB Shizzle trending. That's all. <laughs>so that was from last night on Monday Night Raw Shawn Michaels of course went on to win the vote from the WWE Universe on the WWE app um, being named the special guest referee for the WWE title match at Hell in a Shell in a few weeks between Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton so I'm looking forward to that also on that show was also announced last night that at Hell in a Cell it's going to be Alberto Del Rio taking on John Cena for the World's Heavyweight Championship John Cena has been out of action since the night after SummerSlam. Uh, I want to say mid-August. Can't remember the exact date right now, but he announced after having um, that he needed to undergo elbow surgery after competing in an instant classic with Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam this past year, this past August. Um, he had to undergo elbow surgery, and then he would be out from six, four to six months. And um, for those of you that can do the math, it's only been two. So John Cena is going to be coming back less than two months after being um, undergoing surgery, not how, not sure how smart that is. I don't know if they knew how um, quick his surgery would be, and they said four to six months just to play it safe or to make people think that uh, that you know that uh, that he's super Cena, you know, coming back from injury way quicker than everyone expected him to. You know, the same old shtick that we saw in '07, that we saw in old uh, what was it '08. That he came back a few months later at Survivor Series. Give me a break. I don't care. I really don't. But, um, yeah, even still, Del Rio, Cena, Hell in the Cell, blah, 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 blah. Don't really want to see it again, personally. But um, there is a positive to it. I've seen people say that uh, it's going to bring prestige back to the World Heavyweight Championship, having John Cena compete for it. So it's a little odd because the announcement of this matchup couldn't have come at a more strange time in the show it was during a del rio and ricardo rodriguez match so i'm assuming that a lot of people tuned out for that match and then all of a sudden they get an announcement that john cena is coming back in a few weeks so it was very anticlimactic but even so we'll see how it plays out come hell in the cell so also on monday night raw we only have a few minutes left so i don't want to go through the whole show and i feel like i would be wasting a lot of people's time if i did um, it wasn't a great show. It was decent at best, but it was definitely better than the uh, Battleground show from the night before. But, um, yeah, we had Punk and R-Truth taking on Ryback, Curtis Axel. Pretty solid tag team match for the most part. CM Punk was extra fun on this show, especially uh, in his channeling of Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, yeah, um, when he was tag teaming with R-Truth. That, w- that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, CM Punk and R-Truth go over after R-Truth pins Curtis Axel, thus earning him a, another Intercontinental Championship matchup this Friday night on SmackDown. So yeah, looking forward to that. But uh, what else do we have here? Uh, we really had nothing else on the show. We had Orton and Kingston as a decent match, going back to the burying days of Kofi Kingston after, um, you know, for those of you that don't watch wrestling, it was Kofi Kingston that, uh, actually was pushed in the final few months of 2009. He was on a hot streak, and it was highly rumored to be Randy Orton. That was the one that um, put an abrupt halt to Kofi Kingston's push in early 2009, uh, early 2010, I should say. Um, And Kofi Kingston hasn't been pushed since. He got destroyed by Orton on this show. So, uh, yeah, no surprise there. We had the Wyatt family attacking uh, we had the Wyatt family attack in, uh, what was that, blah, 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 uh, The Miz, The Miz on Miz, on Miz TV, um, so that was pretty random, but I guess there's foreshadowing a feud between Bray Wyatt and The Miz, that should be fine, Bray Wyatt just really needs some direction right now, but for, uh, feuding with a former WWE champion in The Miz should be pretty interesting, so looking forward to that, the promo should be great too, because Miz is a very good mic worker, as is Bray Wyatt, that goes without saying, but yeah, the promo should be gold. Um, we had Los Matadores on Raw once again. They beat 3MB. Drew McIntyre got pinned. There were rumors going around that Drew McIntyre might be repackaged as the chosen one yet again. So maybe they're having it, getting pinned to look, make it look like he's a weak link. So he breaks away from 3MB. Hopefully they give it some acknowledgement on TV and they just don't 
randomly repackage him like they did with Curtis Axel. Because um, Curtis Axel, a.k.a. Michael McGillicuddy, wasn't on TV before he got repackaged. So I guess it's a good thing. But, you know, even still, um, Drew McIntyre's on TV every week. So it would just be weird if he came out as the chosen one one day. They really need to build towards it somehow. Um, but, um, you know, even still, oh, I forgot to mention this in my battleground review, but the real Americans versus Santino in the great Kali, um, this is a rematch from battleground. Um, the match was throwaway, so forget about the matchup, but incredibly impressive maneuver from Antonio Cesaro picking up the great Kali, who is, if you don't know who he is, look him up now. He's over 500 pounds, picking him up by his feet by his freaking huge feet and swinging him around relentlessly. It was absolutely amazing. Props to Cesaro. How he's, getting, how he's not getting a bigger push right now is beyond me. But, um, yeah, yeah that, that was absolutely amazing. So if you didn't see it at Battleground, you didn't see it at Raw, WWE has it up on their YouTube channel right now. At, uh, just search up WWE on YouTube, and that's where it is. Um, but yeah, that was incredibly impressive. Aside from that, the match was complete crap, though, so forget about that. Um, we had Ziggler going over Sandow. I already gave my thoughts on that. Um, at the start of the show, we had Stephanie McMahon firing the Big Show. In storyline, of course. Um, after the Big Show, you know, interfered in the main event of Battleground and whatnot. So that was what it was. And yeah, Stephanie McMahon is amazing as a heel. She was nothing as a face. I'm very glad that she turned heel. Big Show, I was getting tired of his crying crap. So I'm very glad that uh, that's finally over with. But now that he's fired, quote-unquote fired, uh, from WWE storylines, he's now eligible to do whatever the hell he wants. So after the main event that pitted the Shield against Daniel Bryan, Cody Rhodes, and Goldust in six-man tag team action, which was won by uh, the Shield in a no-disqualification match after Triple H came out and changed the rules of the matchup, Um, we had Big Show come out, clear house, and knock out Triple H. Finally, we've been waiting weeks upon weeks for this moment. Finally, Big Show knocks out the game. Um, I don't know if we're going to get Big Show versus Triple H at Hell in a Cell or Survivor Series or what, but it definitely looks like they're heading towards that direction. But the crowd popped big for that moment, and I mean big. So that was very, very cool. A big Show to finally get the upper hand, no pun intended, on Triple H. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a pretty good close to the show. Everything else was good, I guess. It wasn't really necessarily good, but uh, it, it was decent at best, I would say. Overall, it was it was an exceptional show. Um, the tag team match with Punk, Truth, Axel, and Ryback, that was good, so go out of your way to go see that. Um, Stephanie and Big Show, good segment, go out of your way to go see that. And of course, the main event with The Shield, Brian Rhodes and Goldust. Goldust could not be in any better shape right now. He's doing great. Um... He has been doing great since his match with Randy Orton a few weeks ago on Raw. Very glad to see him back on WWE TV. Very underrated talent. Sure, he's never going to be a world champion, but, you know, a very good in-ring technician. Uh, Very cool to see him finally teaming with his brother Cody, which has been a long time coming. So hopefully we see a match between them at uh, maybe WrestleMania or something. That'd be awesome. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that does it for... uh, for the Monday Night Raw episode this past Monday night, or last night on the USA Network, for those of you that tuned in live. Um, so, decent show. Yeah, um, this is the conclusion, I guess. Um, we're nearing 10 o'clock here on the eastern side, so might as well close out the show now. Um, thanks for those that have listened live here on a- on EC Radio, almost at Endicott Radio, you know, same thing, I guess. Um, the link, the URL to get to the website is a little... Um, hard to get to. It's not something simple like, you know, go to www.com. But if you do want to access it, um, what I did was just typed in Endicott Radio on Google. I mean, you're listening to it right now, but um, to go back to it, just type in Endicott Radio on Google and then just click on the first link on the Endicott website and just listen to, press the link that says listen to EC Radio. And that's a good way to listen to it. Um, it's going to be streaming here on the website all week long, so make sure to check it out. Um, but yeah, I had a fun time here on the inaugural edition of WrestleRant. Really do appreciate everyone that's tuned in. Um, looking forward to implementing new things in the show as we go along. Um, the only reason why this show today was as long as it was. I mean, it's going to be an hour going forward, but of course I'm not going to be reviewing a, uh, an indie event every single week that I attended. That was just a one-off thing. So maybe in the free time that we have, we can discuss, um, rumors in wrestling, um, share some stories, 
uh, I don't know, talk about, uh, you know, share some audio clips, stuff like that. Maybe play a few theme songs here and there. Um, I've actually been con- contemplating doing that. But, um, yeah, if you guys want to keep in touch with me, make sure to – I uh, I am not currently on Twitter, but you can check me out on Facebook. Make sure to like my official Facebook page at uh, Graham GSM Matthews. Just search that up on Facebook. I should be amongst the top results. Um, you can check out my work on Bleacher Report, all my articles on WWE TNA and all, everything else going on in the world of wrestling just by searching Graham GSM Matthews on Google or uh, Bleacher Report. Um, you can check out my website for the photos that I will be uploading very, very soon, as well as my interview, the full interview with uh, Jason Rumble from the NECW event from this past Friday night. That's going to be on nextarawrestling.weebly.com um, very, very soon, so go check that out. And, of course, make sure to listen to EC Radio every day, all, all day, every day, um, for your favorite tunes and tones, as well as Wrestle Rant Radio every Tuesday night. At 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 8 Central Time. So, uh, yeah, guys, thanks for tuning in, and I will see you guys next week.